Welcome to another exciting episode of Feasting at the Table with Grace Tom Lawyer. Feasting at the Table is a Bible study program that seeks to apply the truth of God's word to our everyday life. It is a feast and so there's something for everyone. Get ready for a fresh, anointed and timely word from God. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure and a delight to share God's word with everyone. Thank you so much. Um, Today, we are going to continue our study. We are in part three of the study and we are still looking at the life of Abraham. We've actually not started looking at Abraham's life, but we said Abraham is going to be the prototype for our study. And the study is the faithfulness of God. We have been looking at the faithfulness of God. At the very first part of the study, we looked at what the word faithfulness is. It's just going to be a quick recap for those who are just joining us. We looked at what the word faithfulness was. We looked at what's the meaning of faithfulness, the Hebrew words for faithfulness. We looked at what we mean when we say someone is faithful and then why is God faithful? We also looked at who can be faithful and we also looked at the characteristics of God's faithfulness as well as looking at why we can believe in the faithfulness of God and what our response to the faithfulness of God should be. Uh, By the time we move on to the next study, part of the things we still looked at was we we examined that word faithfulness, we examined biblical faithfulness, we examined the fact that God can be, God is faithful and we began to look at the implications of God's faithfulness in our lives. When we say God is faithful, what exactly does that mean in our lives? And then today we're going to be looking at Abraham, they said that he's our prototype for the study. And before we even go further into his life, what we're going to do is to get a background of the story of Abraham. This is what we always do in this program. We don't just want to jump to Abraham. We need to know what happened before Abraham came to the scene. What happened? What can we learn from those things? Because every point, every, you know what the Bible tells us that all scripture is giving to us is for inspiration, for correction, and for rebuke, you know, for exaltation, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. So every single thing is important. And so we're turning our Bibles. We're just going to be looking at Abraham, Genesis because that's where the whole story starts from. You know, when we say the faithfulness of God, we are saying we're looking at what it means for God to be faithful. And we're looking at God as if we are being faithful. And when we look at Genesis, we see that Genesis is a book that actually provides what we will call the historical background for the rest of even the five books that Moses wrote. When we look at chapter 1 to chapter 11, we'll find out that understanding that will make us understand how God's covenant relationship came about with humankind, how God's covenant relationship came about, what happened. And then when we get to chapter 12, which is what is going to be part of our main focus, we're going to look at the Abrahamic covenants. We begin to look at how it all started. And that covenant, as it were, is actually the basis for which God began to bring blessing to humanity. And first in the Old Testament and then even throughout and the rest of the Bible, we see that God brought um, his blessing to humanity. If we look at Genesis, we can actually divide, that's what scholars have done, we can divide Genesis into two parts. We can say that the first part is actually introductory. You know, when we read the novel from chapter 1 to chapter 11, they are actually like a uh, a prologue. They set the scene as it were, but the rest of the, uh, the rest of the 
book. When we look at chapter one, if we go from chapter one up to chapter two, we see that there's an introduction and then we get the revelation of how the heavens and the earth were created. And then we see the Bible talking about the generations of Adam. That's in chapter five to verse six. We see the Bible talking about generations of Noah and then sons of Noah. Then we get to Shem and then we get to generation of Terah. You know, that's where we begin to see them talking about us. It's where from the generation of Terah, that's where we get the story of Abraham. I wouldn't go to the rest part of what um, Genesis actually says. But what I will say is, I won't go to the rest part of what Genesis says, but that's something that we can all easily check up. And what we find from Genesis chapter 1 verse 11 is actually God initiating the blessing. Because if we look through, we see that the whole of humanity, God compromised with sin. God's plan as it were to bless to bless man, to let man live in a good earth did not work because man did not cooperate. But we see that God continuously was striving to make a way. Right from the Garden of Eden, after man fell, you know, God gave the promise that the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. And when we read through the word, it, it didn't take God for by surprise at all because the bible says to us that the lamp of god was slain before the foundations of the earth and i tell you that is part of the faithfulness of god when we look through the book of genesis we are actually seeing the faithfulness of god and we learn a lot as it were when we look through the book of Genesis to see what the faithfulness of God is. And I don't want us to forget our key scriptures. What are those key scriptures? We said that part of the things that God revealed to Moses, when he revealed himself to Moses, the book of Exodus, he, when he passed on, you know, through Moses, he, he passed on for Moses to see. He said to Moses, that, listen, I'm the Lord, I'm merciful and compassionate. You know, I'm this kind of God that is faithful. And then Moses, that first word, when it comes to faithfulness, Moses actually said to the children of Israel, this is our part of our key scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 it says know ye therefore that the Lord your God he is God he is the faithful God that's one thing we need to realize that he's the faithful God because the Bible tells us in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 it says for God is God is faithful. For him to be unfaithful, what's going to happen will be that will be making him contrary to his nature. And the Bible tells us that if we deny, if we believe not, yet he still remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. And then another scripture we have is in the book of Psalm chapter 89. The Bible says, and I think that's the New Living Translation, it says, Oh Lord God Almighty, where is there anyone as mighty as you, Lord? Faithfulness is your very character. Faithfulness is your very character. So as we begin to look at the very first um, few chapters of Genesis, we see and we consider how man came about and how God came about. And then when we look at Abraham, we find out that there are several things, as it were, that Abraham teaches us. But let's go back again to Genesis chapter 1. What does that teach us? It reveals to us the character of God and nature of the world that man finds himself in. When we look at chapter 2 and chapter 3, we see that there's a relationship you know, that is being portrayed between man and woman and what the effects, as it were, of Adam's disobedience has been on man and woman relationships. Someone said that if Adam if I'd never eaten the apple and Adam have not eaten the apple, we'll not be where we are. We'd have all just been in the Garden of Eden. Well, we're not in the Garden of Eden because Adam and Eve ate what they're not supposed to eat. But why? This is us also. We also make choices against what God prescribes. When we go to chapter 5, we see that the different years that passed before, you know, the crisis of the great flood. You know, God, God was tired of everything and it destroyed almost all humanity. Why? Because of the sinfulness. And then we continue as we go further on, we see the different even Noah himself at the end of the day has sort of 
failed and then we get to chapter about chapter 11 where we have uh, chapter 10 where we see the different nations guarding themselves you know wanting to uh, wanting to go and build for themselves uh, they wanted to make for themselves a name they wanted to build the tower of Babel, and they continue doing all of that till we come to chapter 11 verse 10 to 26 where we see that even after the five generations of peleg we see that there's the confusion after the confusion of the tower of Babel. Then we see that Abraham arrives. You know, when we look through all of that, we see that from chapter one to chapter eleven, we actually find out that individuals there are losing land. You know, they 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 had land and they they are either losing it or being expelled from the land. But when we move on, as it were, to chapter twelve, which is going to be part of the central part of our studies, we see people there, individuals who did not have land, but they're on their way to it. Why we see that? One group was continuing our study is losing it. We see another group gaining what God had said. So when we begin to look at the whole of Genesis and what it's all about, you know, we, we see there by the time we look at Genesis carefully, we find out that people can experience the blessing of God if only they cooperate with God. And, and Genesis, that is where a child of God tells us that God is faithful. You know, that God is powerful enough to bring his promises to a fulfillment. And then you can begin to wonder, why are we using Abraham? Because if we look through, if as we just went through, going through all the different things, the background of Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter chapter 3, chapter 4, and then we get 5, 6, 7, up to 10, there about verse 11, we come to the story of Abraham. And before we come to the story of Abraham, I think there are some things about Abraham that I want us to be aware of. There's some things about Abraham that we need to understand. You know, Abraham is called the friend of God. Three times in the Bible, the Bible calls Abraham a friend of God. Three times, Abraham is referred to as a friend of God. If we turn our Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7, I think that that's very important for us to see. Let's turn our Bibles this day to Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7. We're looking at Abraham there being called what the, the friend of God. Um, I'm going to just put on my Bibles. Are you not? So this is them praying. Said, Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? God wants his battle back. Hallelujah. Abraham is referred to here as the friend of God forever. I would love that. And, and that's what Jesus said to his disciples. He called them friends. He said, listen, no, no longer do I call you enemies. No longer do I just call you workers. You have become my friend and i think that that was a great hit of him is a song when he sang i am a friend of god to think that god himself the god of glory delights for us to become his friends god wants us to be as it were in a relationship with him. And I don't know if you're listening to me today, you don't really know this God. I want to tell you that God is designed to come into this relationship with you. God is designed to be your friend, even as he referred to Abraham as his friend. Let's see another place where God referred to Abraham as his friend in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8. It says, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have so chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. That was God saying something about Abraham. He said, I am the seed of uh, that you people, the Israelites, you are the seed of Abraham, my friend. That is how God referred to Abraham. God referred to Abraham as his friend. This Abraham we're studying about, he's such a great person. I mean, he, uh, the, I mean, we've said it before that lots of religion, Christianity, Judaism, everything wants to hold on to Abraham as it were, as their leader. And Abraham can be our friend. 
Abraham was God's friend, and we can also be God's friends today. And let's see that um Jim, even in the New Testament, Abraham is still called a friend of God. So let's turn, because some of us might be thinking, oh, but that's all in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, if we go to James chapter 2, verse 23, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. He was called the friend of God. So we see that this Abraham that we're talking about, and you know when you say somebody is your friend, you say somebody is your friend because the person understands you to an extent. We say somebody is your friend means the person can vouch for your character when you say somebody is your friend we say that that person is someone that you can communicate with you have a good rapport with him and you know when we look at this we say that the prototype for our study is abraham and i hope we're beginning to see why we're using abraham we're using abraham because he's a friend of god we're using abraham because we see that god in his own divine election selected abraham to show forth grace to abraham to begin as it were to reconcile the world to himself you know what the bible tells us Bible, the Bible tells us that God called our father when, when, what's his name? When, um, when Stephen was speaking, he said, listen, God called our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, called him, you know, took him out of that place, spoke to him and called him out. And it's, the, it's, 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 it's as it were, it's a doctrine of election. And that's what we're using Abraham here to see that God's grace just came out. And what's God's grace? God's grace is all part of his character. And we're saying that when we say God is faithful, what we're saying is that God is who he says he is. He has always been, there's not been any change. And that's one of the things we said in the very first part of our lesson that we can hold on to the faithfulness of God. You know, uh, we said that, um, what was his name? Uh, one of these great missionaries, he said, rather than saying have faith, say have faith in the faithfulness of God. Trust the faithfulness of God, child of God. Whatever God has said, he's able to do. Because as we look at the life of Abraham, we actually begin to see an expression of the faithfulness of God. We actually begin to see that whatever God says, he's able as it were to do it. I want to look to the book of Genesis. We will see that, we'll see that God God himself gave different people gave different of the patriarchs, you know, gave them different promises and he indeed fulfilled them. So we're saying that God revealed himself to Abraham. This Abraham that we're using as our prototype, God revealed himself to Abraham in an increasing dimension. He shot three times. The Bible makes us understand that God revealed himself to Abraham, if you look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, and, to, and verse 7, this is one of the things we're going to start looking at. If we look at Genesis chapter 13, 14 to 17, if we look at Genesis chapter uh, 15, and then if we look at 17 to chapter 17, verse 1 to 21, that's another place, you know, sorry, nine times, that's another place that God revealed himself to Abraham. And all of those different times, we're going to be looking at those times as we go along the journey. We find out that Abraham actually responded with obedience. See, when we say the faithfulness of God, what we're saying is that God is faithful. And if we're going to be beneficiaries of the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God will call us perhaps sometimes to things higher. The faithfulness of God will demand sometimes an action for us. And it is until we obey that we can prove and find ourselves faithful. That exactly is when we are going to enjoy, you know, that kind of relationship that Abraham enjoyed. Abraham enjoyed a personal relationship with God. Abraham could be called the friend of God because when God related to him, as we look through our study, we find out that Abraham, almost all times, he was this kind of person who just continued immediate obedience, immediate obedience, immediate obedience. And child of God, I wonder if you're listening to me today, you know, and God has been saying to you some things. God has been stirring your hearts as it were to some things and you're still finding it difficult. I want to encourage you this morning that 
as we look at the life of Abraham, as we look at the fact that Abraham enjoyed the faithfulness of God, that we should emulate the fact that Abraham was someone who lived a life of obedience. In short, I was when I was studying this, someone actually said that um, the whole of Genesis is about trust, you know, obedience and trust, obedience and trust, obedience, trust and obedience as it were. You know that as we trust God, we will, we will find out that we will obey because you only obey when you actually trust. You only obey when we actually trust. So we're, we're, st we're starting our study as it were. We're beginning to look at the life of Abraham. Abraham himself. And so let, let's let's turn our Bibles. Um let's turn our Bibles. I'm just trying to make sure that we have we've discussed everything that we have talked about, that written down that we're going to do as our background study to the life of Abraham. So I, I hope that we've gotten all that happened, you know, all of the background study that happened before Abraham came to the scene. We've said that chapter one. To, uh, chapter 11 there was a divine initiation of the blessing you know which actually got compromised by sin and then we see the from chapter 12 to the other part we see that there's a preservation of the blessing a preservation of the promise god was seeking to find good things you know to find things that he could do for man so let's begin as our uh we've, let's come we've come now to the life of abraham because that's what we're just trying to do we're looking at Genesis chapter 1 to chapter 11, which was helping to give us, as it were, a background study about Abraham. And let's see. So let's go now to, we're going to start, we're going to chapter 11. That's where we're going to start from chapter 11, chapter 11. And that's, we're going to look at verse 27. That's where it's going to be the focus of our study, chapter 11, verse, uh, chapter 11 verse 27 from verse 27 uh let's turn our bibles there i'm just going to turn my bible so that i can read out for us sorry i'm turning my bible you could turn your bibles also it's always good to look at your bible so you can see what are they saying how true is what are they saying so chapter 11 the very first part tells us about the story of um tells us the story of, um, what's it called, the Tower of Babel. And then the second part of chapter 11 tells us, you know, Shem to Abraham. Shem is the son of Noah. And then where we are now is verse 27. It says, so I'm reading from the New International Version. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in all of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abraham and Nahor both married. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Michal. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Michal and Iscar. Now Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. And verse 31, Terah, Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Aaron, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abraham, and together they set out for the awe of the childings, from the awe of the childings to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. And there are different things we can say about this little passage. But from this little passage, we see a, a tracing of the genealogy of Abraham. We see that Abraham had a brother. Uh, that we also find out that Abraham had a brother. Um, in short, he had two brothers, Nahon and Haran. And uh, Nahon and Nahon, those were the brothers of Abraham. We find out that one of the brothers of Abraham actually died. 
while they were in awe of childings. But we see that Abraham's father took them and took the journey. You know, they took the journey, led the family. They were going to, to Canaan. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that when they got to Haran, they stayed, they, they settled there. And then they settled there. But the Bible says that Terah died in Haran. And there are many biblical expositions to this. Uh, part of the Someone has said that Terra means delay, part of the different things I've read, and Haram means uh, dryness. And I want to say here that um, scholars believe that they lived in Haram for 15 years. We don't know why they settled there. The Bible says that they set out to go, you know, to the land of Canaan, but they didn't eventually get there. They, they didn't eventually get there immediately. They stopped on the way to the journey. I know as, as we begin to examine the life of Iban, it, it makes us, I think this is a good place for us to stop. When we look through the word in the book of Acts, the Bible tells us that Stephen said that, listen, this call of Abraham that we see in Genesis chapter 12, which we'll be looking at next week, that this call of Abraham that we see that tells us that, listen, Abraham, God called Abraham and asked him to go further on that. You know that this call of Abraham actually is something that happened while he was in awe of childhood. So we don't know. Maybe Abraham told his father. His father decided that, okay, let us go. But that was the vision as it were of his father also. His father was like, oh, let's go to the land of Canaan. But they never got there. They never got there. And Terah died in the land of Haran. And child of God, as we look to the story of Abraham, we're going to be seeing what it means for God to be faithful. I believe that God revealed himself to Abraham and said to him, you know, come to the land. By the time we look at, by the time we look at uh, chapter 12, we'll see uh, the you know, dimensions of that promise. But the basic thing there is the grace and the, the need for obedience. If we're going to experience the faithfulness of God, child of God, there's a need for obedience. And obedience can't come without trust. And why can't we trust? We've talked about last, last, this, the past few lessons. We can trust because we understand that God is faithful. We understand that the character of God is good. We understand that the character of God is kindness. We understand that the character of God is love towards us. So when God says we should do something, it is for our own benefit. We may not understand it all, but we can be rest assured that what God has said is something that is best for us. I hope we're getting what I'm saying this morning. We, we can understand that. And so this morning, we, we've tried to begin to look at, you know, the background story of this Abraham, whom we are saying is the person that is the prototype of the study of the faithfulness of God. I want to tell you, child of God, that it's difficult to live the life, the Christian life without faith, because by the time you look through the word, by the time you look through Genesis, you find out that the, one of the key concepts Genesis of Genesis there is faith. And what does that mean, child of God? It means that we're trusting the fact that what God has prescribed is actually the best for us. And that's what I've said. We, and we demonstrate that trust by being willing to obey what he says and then waiting for God to do what he has promised. I know that many of us do not like to wait on the queue. I mean, waiting is not, I mean, that's why we have instant lines. That's why we can get some things instantly. That's why we, we get on the instant queue, you know, as in just buy and then order and then just get it perhaps delivered to our house so that we're not even waiting. We do not really like to wait, but child of God, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, I believe verse 12, he says, let us emulate, you know, let's emulate the, the faith of the others who through faith and patience inherited the promise. No, let's go there. I, I think that that's a good verse for us to, to turn to Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. I believe that's the verse, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. 
Hebrews 6 verse 12. I'm opening to that. That's why there's a big delay. It says, and do not be slothful for followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hallelujah. It is true faith and patience we inherit the promises. See, we do not want you to be lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience, as it were, inherit what had been promised. And child of God, when we're saying the faithfulness of God, part of the things we're saying is that God is faithful to do what he has promised. But do you know that sometimes we might have to wait for the promise of God? The promise of God unto Abraham, you know, concerning the fact that he'll give him a seed, it took 25 years before that promise began, before that promise actually got fulfilled. And many times we say that we are the children of Abraham, but we're not ready to trust God. We're not ready to wait. You know, we, our, our faith can wait, but, you know, see, if we cannot wait, it means we don't have faith. If we if we if we think we want to stop the waiting, it's because there's a lack of faith. True faith waits, and that's why the Bible says that you know he that believeth shall not make haste. True faith waits. Hallelujah. True faith waits. And funny enough, the Bible tells us here in Hebrews chapter six verse twelve, it says that it is laziness that makes us not to wait. It says that we be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. I want to check it in some other translation so that we could just get a grasp of what they're saying. Yeah, let's see what the Philip translation says. You know, Philip translation is one of my favorite translations. It says, we do not want any of you to grow slack, but to follow the example of those who through sheer patient faith came to possess the promises. Hallelujah. Sheer patient faith came to possess the promises. Remember one of the things that we saw going around one time said that, as snow as the snail was, the snail, Noah still waited for the snail as it were to get into the ark. Before the ark was shot, the snail still got into the ark before the ark was shot. Uh, let's look at the living translation, the living Bible translation. It says, then knowing what lies ahead of you, you won't become bored with being a Christian, nor become spiritually dull and different, but you will be anxious to follow the example of those who receive all that God has promised them because of their strong faith and patience. All that God has promised them because of their strong faith and patience. If we're going to receive all that God has promised us because of our strong faith, we need to follow the example of people we receive. The Bible says, why? How did they do that? Through faith and patience. The message translation says, be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. Hallelujah. We are going to stay the course. Why are we staying the course? We are staying the course because we understand that God is faithful. We understand as we look through the life of Abraham that the things that God says, no matter how impossible they may seem, that if God has made a promise to us, is well able to fulfill the promise. And it depends on him also how and when he's going to fulfill this promise. And we can trust him. We say God is faithful. Moses told the children of Israel, say, know ye the Lord your God, that he is a God and he's a faithful God. He's God and is a faithful God. That's something I want us, you know, to have at the back of our mind as we continue this study. And the Bible tells us in the book of Psalm chapter 89, it says, Oh Lord God Almighty, where is there anyone as mighty as you? For faithfulness is your very character. Faithfulness is the very character of God. Father, we thank you. Oh Lord, we exalt your name again this morning. We thank you for another opportunity. We thank you for another privilege, Jehovah God, to come before you. We thank you for your faithfulness that is true. We thank you for your faithfulness that is real. We thank you for your faithfulness that continuously, Father, is the backbone of our of our relationship with you. We know that you are faithful. We have seen your faithfulness in the lives of people that have come ahead of us. We have seen your faithfulness in the uh, we have seen your faithfulness, Lord, even here on 
on planet earth, bringing the sun every day, every day of the week. Father, it is your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you. This day we come in worship and adoration to thank you for your faithfulness. We choose to believe you. We choose to wait on you, Father, for all the things that you have promised us because we know that you are faithful. Blessed be your holy name, O God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope you have been blessed by the word of God today. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Feasting at the Table.